What is up, everybody? This is Press Text to Start Gamers Digest, a video podcast that is condensing the most important gaming news from this past week into an hour-long meal for you. But this episode, we are doing a review of The Last of Us TV show. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves. I am your host, your heavyweight champion from Wish Niggerwood, California, a.k.a. the janitor because we watch niggas, a.k.a. not the stepfather, but the father that stepped up. Marcus Ellison. I am Sean M.F. Ross. <laughs> what do MF stand for? I'm the real Buggy Turner. What? <laughs> oh. It'll make sense later. Okay. And who else we got? Hi, everyone. It's me, Avery. Contractually hey. obligated to be on this podcast. <laughs> All right, Marshawn Lynch Jr. We had contracts? I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm older than him. I would hope so. But yeah. Um, now that we got that out the way, uh, before we jump into the review, don't forget to support us by liking the video, subscribing to the channel, and hitting the notification bell. And if you're listening to the podcast, then we would appreciate you leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast service that you're tuned in on. And if you want to join in on our conversations, you can join our Discord at pressx2start.com slash Discord. All right. Now, with all those particulars out of the way, I want to give you guys a bit of an episode rundown since, once again, we are doing the Last of Us television show review. So we're going to start off with uh, some individual mini spoiler, non-spoiler reviews for the season. So kind of just little blurbs from the three of us. And then we're going to jump into spoiler territory. And I'm going to give you all a moment by the time we get there that if you haven't played the game or watched the full show, that's the moment to get off. But once we're in spoiler territory, we're going to go into our favorite and least favorite episodes, the show performances and how they match up to the game performances, our thoughts on the deviations from and some of the new additions to the game's narrative. Uh, if we thought things or what we thought was done better in the show and what we thought was done better in the game. And if what happened in the show changed our feelings on Joel's decision at the end of the game. And then after that, we're just going to give our thoughts and hopes on how the show tackles Last of Us 2 and beyond and what the show could mean for the future of game adaptations. So we're going to go into our mini reviews, non-spoiler reviews. So do you guys want to start or? I'll start for me. This was highly anticipated and uh, I feel like they hit every mark they were trying for i think the only thing that i would complain about which i think was a common complaint was a uh, i wish there was just a little bit more clicker action but uh from start to finish i enjoyed the ride gotcha uh avery do you uh, want to go or should i go uh i'll go i yep. am ah uh, how would i say this i enjoyed the show tremendously i thought it was great event television in hbo craig mazin neil Druckmann, and the entire crew involved did a fantastic job with the adaptation that being said there was a period in the middle of this show where i was not in love with it where i just thought it was okay or i thought when it was frankly just kind of fine and like we can talk about that afterwards later but i do think from the beginning to the end they nailed what is last of us and i'm ultimately satisfied with what i got but i am not giving the show it's this is the greatest video game adaptation of all time flowers that makes sense okay well on my side of things uh i think that it is definitely in terms of just all the tlc that's went into it and the ability to 
either recreate one-to-one the game or just continue to stick within the feel and tone and world of the game. I think this is the best video game adaptation that we've gotten. Um, And I was in love with the show. Um, It wasn't without, you know, its flaws here and there, which we'll get into. But overall, it's probably the most that I've enjoyed event television in a little while. So... We're about to jump into spoiler territory. So I'm going to give those of you that are listening or watching a moment to jump off if you don't want to get spoiled. All right. So let's jump into spoiler territory. So going around Robin, uh, what were you guys' favorite and least favorite episodes of the season? Uh, Starting with Avery. I think my favorite episode is going to be episode eight the adaptation of the winter chapter and the entire encounter with David. And my least favorite episode would definitely be episode, episode five, episode five. I just, that was, that was like my, one of my least favorite episodes. Which one was episode five? Episode five is when they're hanging out with Sam and Henry uh, um, at the end of that arc. I gotcha. All right, Sean. I'd have to say, damn, what was that lady's name? Kathleen. Yeah. That episode when we finally got the horde just coming out of the ground and her just not being able to let go. And that's what ultimately ended her. I think that was one of my favorite moments. And then mm, least favorite may have been the last one just because I feel like it went by too fast. Okay. Yeah. For me, my favorite episode, I mean, that's this is it's hard because there was no episode that I straight up didn't like. But my favorite might have been three just for the sheer audacity of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that was a huge risk on their part. And even if there were episodes that like in terms of just staying within the game and and giving us more of Ellie and Joel's story, there were episodes that I might have enjoyed more. But like I feel like that is my favorite just because they stuck the landing on a huge risk. Yeah, I Uh, think episode three is the best episode of this series, like hands down from a production writing all of that it is also the most removed from what is last of us which puts it in a weird spot mm. and my least favorite episode might be uh it might be four and that's only because four was a setup to five and so like it was still a great episode of television but it was definitely like a this is all lead up to a big payoff. So I guess if I had to choose, it'd be four. But yeah, um, I guess, do you want to go a little deeper into what it was that you loved or hated about the episodes? Or do you want to go into the performance talk? I think we can spend some time. Uh, I think my big issue with five is that fundamentally, I think the deviations towards the narrative of The Last of Us don't serve to make the story better. I see why they made all the decisions, but I don't think they're better decisions. And I think outside of sort of like, I think the major action set piece of that episode, it was very unsatisfying for me to watch as a fan of the show. To elaborate what I'm talking about is that I don't think that the people of Kansas City needed to be real people, if that makes sense. I don't think we needed a uh focal character to focus on and as in Kathleen. We didn't need a Kathleen figure as part of that narrative. I understand what narrative part she serves 
and what other parts he serves. But I don't necessarily think she needed to be in the show. And that's one of the things that makes her character unsatisfying to me. Because it doesn't really, it doesn't feel like it's uh, helping the narrative. I also don't like the interpretation of Henry and Sam in this episode. I think the Henry character is fine. I think the Sam character is fine. I think both actors did a fantastic job. I think, however, the decision to A, make Sam younger, and B, make him deaf, irreparably changed the dynamic of what those two characters were, for at least for me, in the game. And as a direct result, they no longer work as really strong mirrors of Joel and Ellie. In the game, Henry was Sam's protector. That was it. He didn't let Sam do anything. But Sam was very, he was someone who was capable of being as capable as Ellie. And ultimately, it's Henry's inability to let Sam live, essentially, and like live in this world is what ultimately gets Sam killed. Here, it's more or less that it's just a cruel fate that's visited upon him. It's frankly no one's real fault. Sam was bit in the chaos of that, at the end of that episode. It was no one's fault, which to me ultimately makes the death feel less tragic because it's one of those things where in the game, I can see the correlation of Sam's death being Henry's fault. In the show, I, I can't see that. And it's just a tragic fate problem of the show. Where I disagree on that is I think game Sam and Henry was more of a spotlight or a cautionary tale for Joel. I feel like the show was more impactful to Ellie. And so for me, it wasn't necessarily that it did it worse. It just did it different. Because for me, the Sam Henry death was more tragic in the show. I mean, it was definitely tragic in the game, but like I my heart broke when just given what we had seen with uh, Ellie and Sam in the show and watching Ellie try to like be useful and knowing just knowing what I know about how the future of the story goes in the second game and seeing how that exact moment plays directly into some of her decisions later, it broke my heart. Like, I thought that was one of the more effective changes from the game to the show, but I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah, I think the, the changes towards Ellie knowing about Sam at the very end are actually fantastic, and they're the only thing that make the making Sam younger actually make sense to me as a creative decision, but it's ultimately in the relationship with Henry and Sam where I, have, I sit there and question, like, why was this decision made? I feel it makes the characters a little bit weaker. And I wanted to see more of Sam as a character. And because of the new nature of him as a character, he fundamentally feels like an NPC and less of a character, if that makes sense. To a degree, I guess to just push back again, I think that one of my things with the role that they play in the show as opposed to the game is yes, in the game, they're blatantly supposed to be a mirror to Joel and Ellie in the show. I kind of liked that they're not because it was kind of refreshing to see Henry treat his little brother like a person, not saying that like Henry in the game didn't treat Sam like a person, but he was so much like Joel was with Ellie, where it's like, I can't have you running off. I can't have you doing this. Mm -hmm. And it's understandable, absolutely understandable. But it was nice to kind of see moments in the show where like Henry was honest, like, yeah, they probably killed the guy that uh, was helping us. And so we're going to have to adjust. And he kind of trusted Sam enough to adapt or trusted Sam enough to be able to move with him and i've appreciated that difference in the show i i, I see all of that 
And my thing to that is, I think that is a consequence of Sam just being younger. It's less mm. believable for Sam to be an Ellie archetype at, at seven age. or eight years old instead of like 12 in the game. So like, isn't it though? He's black. Pick a struggle. You can be deaf or black. Uh, that, that's a bad joke. I apologize. Wow. Really also, but to be serious, when I found out he was deaf, that was my first reaction. Wow. You gotta pick a struggle. Also, he had cancer. That's you gotta you gotta you gotta pick a struggle right here. Trifecta. But no. Uh, but no. Hey. In, in all seriousness, uh, I think it's very much a victim of what I felt was for everything we're talking about. All those yeah. choices work perfectly they're not bad choices but i don't necessarily yeah. think in the character arc of last of us and we'll get to some other critiques that it was it was a perfect uh, switch if that makes sense yeah yeah i do think in the grand scheme of the season the choices with the henry part of it were probably the weakest i'm not nearly as low on kathleen as a lot of people are i love the actress uh melanie linsky yeah the actress is fantastic yeah, I love her, and I, I, I actually love what Kathleen means for the future of the show more than I did for the season itself, but we can get to that later. What do you think it means for the future of the show? She's basically Last of Us 2 Ellie. Like, she, that whole scene where she was talking about what's the point of forgiveness and all that, I'm like, that's literally Ellie in Last of Us 2. There's a little bit different context to that, and we'll get to that later. No, but, no, yeah, yeah, of yeah. course, of course. But it's just like I was sitting I there get, watching get, her do that. I get with the Last of Us Two being about hate and like that, her arc being the evolution of love to hate. I get what you're saying, but like ultimately, with me and her character, it was just one of those things where like she doesn't make sense here, mm. and it makes the people of Kansas City seem less, at least for me as I'm watching it, a less of an intimidating force, and not because she's not an intimidating figure. But more that, like one of her first, uh, one of her first on-screen decisions is, "Oh, we have no doctor in this place. Uh, this doctor betrayed me, so I'm going to shoot him." So we also we have no doctor. And then the second big thing is, "Oh, there's something going on in the basement." I care more about Henry than I care about dealing with what's going on in this basement. So we're just going to move on from that. And I mean, like, I get. My thing is, I think she absolutely makes sense in the world. It's just that she, she is indicative of being blinded by. Yeah. Like being one track minded and how that can cost yeah. you everything, because I actually love what the people of Kansas City meant in terms of like, what does it look like to see people on the other end of, OK, we've been oppressed for so long. And so once we get the opportunity to flip the switch, we're going to do what we got to do. And like, it's like the dark version of freedom. And I appreciated them kind of exploring that aspect because usually it's revolutionary group good uh, and, and, and fascism bad, which in a lot of cases, yes, but usually it's very black and white. And I appreciated them going that way with it. Like my last thought on the Kathleen thing is ultimately, I feel like if you removed her character from those two episodes, it's not changing anything of the story. And that's my sort of like my big issue with her inclusion is that I didn't feel like it was the best choice for what the narrative needed. I understand why they put her here and we'll get to that. But I don't think it was the accent point of the show, an accent point and more like a an interesting detour that could work. And it worked for some people. It just didn't work for me. That's fair. That's fair. So do you want to talk since we were talking more about the gripe? Do you want to talk? more about like 
the high points of one of the episodes that you loved, or do you want to just go into uh, performance well, I, talk? Well, my high point is the performance song. I think okay. I think that Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey are at this point picture perfect images of Ellie and Joel to me. Like Pedro was always a ha ha uh, uh, Mando. I've seen Pedro in Gruffly and other roles. I get this. Wonder it Warren. works. Yeah, like this is like a one to one. Then he nails it as Joel, and I'm like, you get to that episode six monologue of him and Tommy. And I'm like, ooh, this oh. man is in his Duffy in terms of like just acting <laughs> right now. Oh. But, but Bella was a slow burn when she mm. her Ellie was so different from what I remember of Ashley Johnson's Ellie. And I played this game multiple times. So like I have a I think I have a clear understanding of what this character is. She was filled with this sort of like anger and feralness and violence. I don't I, I see for lots with two Ellie because of the shit that's happened to there. I don't really see for normal Ellie. And it took me to left behind really to get oh where all of this is coming from. And I. I already bought into her as a character by that time, yeah. but left that left behind episode seven when she's like breaking everything in the in the uh, store and screaming no no no. That's when I'm really like, oh, I I get it, I get it perfectly. This is like when I, when I hear Ellie's voice, I hear Ashley Johnson. But at episode with the episode where I like, I can start hearing Bella Ramsey now. Mm. Yeah, I've been somebody who has always. As much as I loved Ellie, like she was my, you know, she was my surrogate daughter when, when I was playing the first round. I remember when The Last of Us 2 came out and people were like, where is all of this coming from? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> because I from you mean all the violence. Yes, because I'm like, she's an active part of the storytelling, but in actual gameplay, she's kind of just there. So since as Joel in the game, you're doing most of the killing and all that stuff. She's still there to witness it. <laughs> right. But even outside of that, it's like I can see how somebody playing the game would be like, Ellie's my little baby angel and she would never. But I'm like, no, this is a little girl who is capable of great violence. But because it's a video game and she's a side character in the video game in terms of the gameplay, I can see how there's a disconnect. To me in the show, we finally get to see what I've been seeing of her in the games since Jump, where I'm like, there is a darkness inside of her that is bubbling under the surface and it only gets exacerbated by threats to her or those she loves safety. And I loved pretty much all of the performances in the show. But to me, Bella Ramsey was the star of this show especially when we get later into the season, like straight up episodes seven to nine are just Bella Ramsey killing it. Yeah. Like they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. Like Bella was destroying it in those last few episodes. Pedro in, in his take on Joel, I remember when the trailer came out and they showed that little section of him doing the, you have no idea what loss is and it tripped me out how much he sounded like uh, Troy Baker in that moment. Troy Baker doing a Texan accent. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, okay. So he's going to be like, you know, he's going to put his own swing on it, but he's going to really feel like um, the game Joel. Well, I think both of them peaked at the game before actually filming. So yeah, a frame of reference. So they weren't, they weren't completely uninitiated, which, which makes I sense. I think. Pedro's performance is divorced from Troy, if that makes sense. No, that's what I was. That's what I was about to say. My favorite thing about Pedro's take on Joel is 
because it's a video game and I'm going to keep going back to this point because of the video game, it's kind of easy to forget sometimes that Joel is old. So you get to do things that are like kind of Herculean because it's a video game. I love that the last of Us show is like, nah, this man's old and he's been surviving for a very long time. So he's like half deaf. He's got bad knees. He's probably got arthritis. Like there's elements of him where it's like, he's still a fucking killer. And because he's at 56 moments where he's still absolutely a menace makes you terrified of what he was 20 years before it because he don't got time to stretch out this goddamn fight you need to die right now exactly so it makes you wonder if he's that much of a menace now sometimes not even at full strength what was this nigga like when he was 36 out in these streets like three or four years into the pandemic Mm. i wouldn't want to run up to that dude so I, i love that pedro's take is like a much older worn down joel but you never lose sight of that danger there. What about you, Sean? Uh, are we talking favorite performances? Uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or like how the performance is stacked up to you to the, to the game performances. Um, I was a detractor of Bella Ramsey at first when it was first announced, just like everybody else, like not my Ellie hashtag. But um, I know it didn't make sense, Avery. I was running with the crowd, but... After I, I just want to her, clarify when you say like everyone else, I'm not part of that everyone else. I don't mean everyone else. I, I mean the know. general consensus of the internet when it's like, she don't look like Ellie, you know, but I heard her curse that first time in the, in the hallway. Get the fuck up, you know. I was like, all right, this this is it right here. This She sounds just like her. This, this is fine. Um, I like that they kept Marlene. That was crazy. Um, I understand why they couldn't keep... Uh, Ashley Johnson, she's too old now, and uh, Troy Baker just doesn't look like him. But um, their performances were solid. There was never a time where I felt like I'm, I'm not enjoying this. You know what I mean? I wanted to see more. I wish there was more than nine episodes. Um, of course, Nick Offerman just destroyed that role. And I love all the rage that that episode three got. <laughs> Oh, Not man. my Frank, and I'm like, did you play the game? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I, I mean, you said Frank and Bill. I'm sorry, okay, not Bill my Frank. Bill. If, if if you didn't pay attention in the game, though, I'm wondering like if it went over people's head, and this was like boom, right in your well, face. Well, it, it, it absolutely did go over people's heads. The only way you know that Bill is gay is in, when you Ellie pulls out the the mag, and then, oh, Bill has gay porn that recontextualizes everything he says about my partner Frank. Yeah. Yep. So I like that they just put it out there, like you know, deal with it. This this show is uh representing everybody in the post apocalyptic world. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. No, yeah, yeah. Nick Offerman and uh, Murray Bartlett both were fantastic in that episode. I also want to just give a special shout out to the way that they implemented every, I guess, principal uh voice actor slash mocap actor in the original game in the show. I love the fact that they brought those guys over and gave them a primetime prestige television look. Something to do that wasn't just a clicker. Exactly. Like, it gave them something because pretty much all of those actors are predominantly... Are like actual stage actors. Yeah, but you wouldn't know it because they all got their biggest roles on video games and voice acting. And so it was really cool to see them get a chance to like showcase what they're about in front of a film camera. I thought that was great. Um, 
I especially, I especially loved what they did with Ashley Johnson. That that was some uh, no some it, perfect. It's it, it an inspired choice that I have a major problem with, but it was such an inspired really? choice. Yeah, you want me to get into it? Uh, one second, one second, one second. Yeah, because that that I guess takes us directly into uh, thoughts on deviations and new additions to the game's narrative. So go ahead. Okay, I love making Ashley Johnson Ellie's mother. I love being able to see her. I love how we can see Ellie's birth. What I didn't love is getting the answer to why Ellie's immune. I also really? didn't love Marlene being involved with Ellie's birth in any shape or form, if that makes sense. Because it, it gets into a lot of my problems at the end of the show. We're like, oh, we know why Ellie's immune. This pregnant woman was bit while having a baby. Mm-hmm. Now that Marlene knows that Ellie is immune, she's like, oh, we know the factors in which this is possible. Mm-hmm. You, oh, so, so you can try to replicate it. Yeah, yeah, they should have left it a mystery. I get it. Well, I because I mean, you could just go do some more science and replicate that. Like if, you know? if, if, the, if the fireflies are so cruel to want to kill Ellie to, to solve all the world's issues, then at this point, there's no there's no morals in doing this to other people. If that makes sense to me. I, I don't think that they were the, the fireflies were a lot of things, but I don't think that they were like just didn't have any more hungry to kill Ellie. I, I feel like I mean, it here's was... a, okay. Here's a big deviation I hate about the fireflies in this final episode, and one of the things that mm. little annoys me about this one. While doing the underwater bus sequence, I guess it's a bit too extensive for what they want to do for this television. It accomplishes two things: it knocks out Joel and it knocks out Ellie, so that when we get to the final moments where the fireflies decide they're going to operate on Ellie. There's never a question in which if Ellie had a choice in this matter. Here, she's not knocked out. Marlene pretty much says, oh, we just chose not to tell her so she wouldn't be scared. And then just going along with it afterwards. So Marlene and them have robbed Ellie from the, of, of this choice as well. I'm going to be real with you. I always thought that was the case in the game, too. Like, I know she was already knocked out, but... In the game, Ellie is knocked out. And Marlene, when Joel asked her, Marlene's like, oh, we just took her straight to surgery. Which I don't is, think in the game they told Ellie that they were going to crack no, open her brain. No, no, yeah, yeah, she was, say she was they knocked never, out. They, though. they never explained to Ellie the consequences of what was going to happen to her. Okay, agreed. In the game and the show, both of those never happened. But in the game, she's knocked out, so like they just move forward with it. But in the show, which to she, me is a little more cruel, though. Like they just took her prone body and threw her on the table. Like that's kind of fucked. Well, in the context of Boss of Us Part 2, and like I, 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 I like sort of give you more context of how that happens, but like in the context yeah. of the show, it's one of those things where like, especially when you get to the end of that sequence and Marlene's like, Joe, you're not giving her the choice to make. And I'm like, bitch, you didn't give the choice to make. <laughs> what are we talking about but here? She also didn't murder everybody in the, in the, <laughs> like, I mean, it was deserved. I, I will say this. I will say this. I liked the Marlene thing with her and Anna because it mirrored Riley and Ellie to me so much. So I like I was watching it and I was like it's like watching Ellie and Marlene uh, Ellie and Riley grown up. It's kind of trippy. But I also I like knowing because I've always wanted to know. But that's think, just my thing. Yeah, I think I think I think it's better for the narrative if it's just a random mutation. Like, it's just an unknown factor that makes it special instead of something that could feasibly be replicated. Yeah. I will say this, though, because... Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead, Sean. I was going to say, now that they showed it, 
why does Marley need Ellie? It removes why you need Ellie because they can just get people and try to replicate this. Well, wouldn't because she was immune because her mother got bit and she didn't cut the umbilical cord in, in time. time. Exactly. So would that mean that you have to get pregnant women yes. and yes. kill them? Yeah, why yes. would you do it? Like, but I, it's one of those things. Like, can, but yeah, it's why not? If if Ellie is so important that you're going to fight tooth and nail to get her brain for the cure, there's like no. What's happening? You're bringing it out of the people. They're still serving. They're still serving up one for the many. Why not? I, do that I in, know, in, but it's fucked up. It's just it's, messed it's, up. It's, it's fucked. Cause but like we have gotten this far, Marcus, in the real world with effed up science like that. I, I agree about that. I'm just saying that, like, to me, if you have a live immune person who's been immune for a while and it's like, OK, because also at, at a certain point, I don't even know if they knew that she was just going to straight up possibly die from well, they, the immunity thing. They pre- well, and. I'm talking about the show. Yeah. I'm talking about the show. And so for me, like instead of getting a bunch of pregnant women and then having them get bit and then just like, I, I just think that that is so Marcus, they're no longer in the civilized world anymore. You have to do what you could do to try to like, figure out. How to to get back this. to the end, of course, get back to the end thing. That ultimately mm. is why I don't like them giving us an answer and Marlene being involved in the birth so much because it opens up those questions. When in the game, it was just so much cleaner that we don't know what we're doing. Even the doctor's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but this could be our only shot. Here, like now, nah, we know exactly what we need to do to make the cure. Marlene tells Joel she got these receptors in her brain that we just need to culture and copy, and then we can make a cure for everyone. I, I think the I think as someone who loves having an answer for everything, I don't think they need an answer for this. My only pushback is using a bunch of pregnant people. I feel like that's a nuclear option. That if the trying to make a culture doesn't work then maybe you start doing that but i feel like going with ellie first is the right way to go about it where it's like we already have an immune person marcus that just means you gotta die too look man if joe want to come for me (laughs) (laughs) like marcus i love you too much to wish that upon you there's nothing stopping joe from killing you bro i'm just saying i'm just saying i'm just saying i would hope one of y'all We'll go over it after that. <laughs> Killing me. Nah, man. You already know how I feel about certain people. Yeah, I mean, you, you want us to be Abby? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you already know how I feel about certain people. That smoke's not happening. But yeah, yeah. It, that's neither here nor there. I, I just say that it is interesting now to see where they're going to go with that exact thing. Um, are there any other, like, deviations or or additions that you were really rocking with like we already talked about um how fantastic uh you know frank and the bill story was so i got two that couple up in the mountains right before they got to uh tommy settlement i love them i just love how just nonchalant the wife was just like yeah you made him food yeah he didn't hurt me i I can see that (laughs) And then Ellie comes in there cussing, and the old man's just like, Jesus. And the old woman is just like, I like her. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, they were fantastic. I wanted, I wanted like a little bit more of them. 
Yeah, I want to like a, a, a short film just with them just chilling in the apocalypse. I love them. They were fantastic. And uh, then um, the intro to it, mm. just to show mm-hmm. how grounded, like this could feasibly happen, something similar to this. It's yeah. not 100% realistic, but put on your thinking caps. And I think that I watched it with my wife, Dre, of course, and she's just like, damn, this. This really is uh, very grounded, as well as uh, the scientists where the guy yeah. asks her, what can we do? Mm-hmm. Bomb. Mm-hmm. Just kill it all because there's, there's nothing you can do. It, it just drove home that severity for me. Yeah. So mm-hmm. going through my nitpicks, like a lot of them are just minor things like we, stuff that me and you have already talked about. I don't want to belabor. But like uh, one of my major nitpicks is that I feel like we got this cool establishment of the fungal network in episode two, what that means. Mm -hmm. And then we just never heard about it ever again. We did in episode five, but that was it. Yeah. That's like a weird nitpick I have for the show where I'm like, we, we made this big change that removes something that's such a focal part of the narrative about like the mask and all that and all the cool sequences. Like I'm still thinking about the sequence in season two, what's going to happen in the season two sequence when Ellie has to go into the spore thing with a, with a broken mask, and Dina freaks out. They can't really do the, I'm immune because I don't need the mask thing anymore. Uh, so probably get to, bit she's probably just going to get bit. Yeah. We're like, okay, she's just going to keep getting bit and not getting torn to pieces. Okay, that's the thing we're just going to do because we don't have the spores. One of the things... Well, I'm, not, and, I'm, and not, I'm not angry about the spores. I just want to make that... No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. That's just one thing that I didn't think about going into making the show where there are blatantly certain things like the last of us is one of the few games that because the game itself is so cinematic you don't even think about certain things that they still need to consider like it seems like it would be easy to one-to-one because it's so cinematic but then certain things really do just work better in video game circumstances than they do in um television shows and that was one of the things that i wasn't even thinking about but yeah no i I am right there with you uh, in regards to both of you. Actually, I loved the um, Native American couple. They were great. Remember, remember when I, he was in the, uh, uh, what was that sci-fi show? Oh, oh, uh, Defiance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Race Macaulay. <laughs> that show was a weird ending. It did. It really did. And then I'm also there with you, Avery, in terms of like, I would have, I get why there wasn't a lot of clickers in the show, because once again, video game. But I wish we could have seen some more of them. Yeah. Like you took out the spores and you created this fungal network thing, which I think is super cool. I really just wish they had done a little bit more with it. I understand why they didn't. But like to counter all of my gripes, the thing I give this show an A plus four is the music. Like straight up, the fact that they just ripped The Last of Us one soundtrack and put it in the show and it works perfectly one to one. Like episode five, for as much as I hated it, when Joel crouches down and they play the Last of Us stealth sting for like when you're in stealth mode and like you're being observed and like you're close, I'm like, this is perfect. This is so fucking good. Yeah. Gustavo killed it all throughout the season. Uh, My favorite piece of music that he did, I think, in the season was the whole Terminator march through the hospital when Joel was just laying waste to the compound. I thought that was so sinister and so well done. It was beautiful. Where Joel probably killed more fireflies than I actually did playing the game. Right. And we'll get to that. Uh, I promise. But 
the one change about finding out why Ellie's immune that I liked because it made me think about something is that it's not actually no it wasn't knowing what we know it was the moment with Riley and uh, Ellie it made me think about how many people could have also been immune and didn't know it and got killed you know like because there's no way that Ellie is the first immune person or the only immune person to ever exist in this world well, so it makes me just know he was how we know how he was made immune yeah the, uh, on paper the release has to be somewhere or other I'll right think. and so it's so tragic to think that like there could potentially have been dozens of immune people but because of the way that this world works they either got killed before they could find out or killed themselves because that wasn't a possibility um so that was something that i really appreciated in terms of just that new aspect of it yeah. we've had a lot of conversations is there anything that you didn't like about from an adaptation standpoint um i think that i don't know how they would have stretched the story it's one of those things where a lot of the decisions they made i really liked i think it really just comes down to the clickers being a thing because when we got the clickers they were really effective okay with episode five yeah like not just the clickers, but like the infected. So like episode one, episode two, and episode five, when we got them, they were really, really unsettling. Two, when we first meet the clickers, that was some primo stuff. And then that horde moment in five scared the shit out of me. Like that was the only moment in the show that made me jump because I was not expecting that many infected to come out of that hole. I was not preparing for that, and that scared the hell out of me. I think they used the motion caption actors for the actual clickers in the game, didn't they? Yeah, they they um brought back some of the uh, performers who did the mocap for that. But I wish we would have just got a bit more with them because as much as this show did great work with the drama and showing the human element of the decay of society of the apocalypse, we've also established that the infected are a problem. And while I think in certain places they did a good job of explaining why they're not really there or they're not much of a threat, there's other places where I was like, I feel like we could have used like like a little a little infected fight or a little little clicker fight. Okay, you know, that I is know. a minor criticism I had, but I don't think it's a major one, is that because the, the, of the pacing of the show, there doesn't feel like a lot of Joel and Ellie time in comparison to the game where you spend a lot of that mm. time interacting with enemies in various forms. I do feel that they could have had a bit more of the game's more interesting set pieces uh, in the show, if that makes sense. No, no, yeah, yeah. I absolutely believe, or I absolutely agree with you on that. Um, there was a couple of moments where I was like, we could have, like, I would have personally liked to see uh, David and Ellie fighting off those um, infected. I get why it's not there, but I would have liked to see that. I knew we probably weren't going to get the uh, tunnel scene in the final part of the game. I just figured, like, that's that's, that's that's not... A minor thing, I'm so upset that the only reference we got to Ellie's inability to swim was that one sequence, and there's not not even a mention of Joel having to put her on a pallet and push her somewhere. I just needed that. That's one Easter egg I was hoping for, and we didn't get, and I was like, oh, I, I guess, but... 
No, yeah, I knew that that uh, tunnel scene wasn't going to happen because it just didn't. A lot about it is not feasible. But yeah, I just would have liked a little bit more. Or we could have used um, at some point in the game, Joel realized I'm going to have to let her shoot some people. When he first was going through a clearing and she had to cover him with the rifle. And he, that's the first time he gave her a rifle. Like he showed her how to shoot in the, in the show. Mm-hmm. But it was under different circumstances. I think in the game she had to cover him yeah, so we could get across. In the business center, uh, it's the sequences match up what they do in the yeah. show in the game. But in the game, it's Joel having to sneak through the business center and he puts her up on some scaffolding and like gives her a gun. This is already after she's already shot and killed a man to save him. Uh, so this is just right. him trusting her to do this. They don't do that in the show, which I I, I understand. But then it gets to the thing, you didn't do that sequence, but you also kept the sequence of Joel having to sneak through a neighborhood to kill a guy in a belt, to kill the sniper. Yeah. I will say that I think that removing some of the fights makes the moments where violence is used feel more impactful because I'm not going to lie to you, I probably would have got a little numb to it if we just kept mowing down faceless people in the show where I just been like, okay, yeah, this is just another... There's another day in the apocalypse. Like it would have become less impactful for me. I can't speak for everybody else, but it would have just kind of. I, I'm with uh, you. As well. I didn't need a. Fi- I'm not the guy sitting here saying we need a fight episode. Like my my the things mm-hmm. I'm like the big set pieces I'm talking about are less involving actual fighting enemies and more just like interesting set pieces like Joel being upside down. Like you didn't need to fight enemies. I just needed that sequence if that makes sense. I agree. And another thing was like Joel boosting Ellie up in the segments. A minor epic I have about the final episode is that they, for the first time, they do that or boosting her up as you pull down the ladder. But it's in the game. It's the last time he had to they do that in the game, and where it's where you don't get that interaction where like she throws the ladder down because he wants to see the graph. Yeah. Well, okay. We've sort of already talked about certain things that we liked better in the show and in the game. So actually, I kind of want to just jump into. If the show changed how we felt about Joel's decision at all? No, put a gun in my hand. I'm ready. <laughs> so you were still riding with Joel mowing down the fireflies? As Neil Druckmann said, once you have a child, it all makes sense. I have said this for years. Um, children make you do irrational shit. Mm-hmm. Point blank. That's all. What about you, Avery? My opinion has never changed about Joel and Ellie and the fireflies and all that. I'm not a parent. I can't sit here and say what I would do as a father or as a caregiver of someone else. However, I do know that in Joel's situation and spending time with Ellie and my own feelings for Ellie as a character, I would make the same decision. Like, there's no world I would have, the only world where I would not have made that decision is if Ellie knew going into this, this is what she wants. But that's not a decision she was given by anyone. Yeah, I'm still of the mind that everything that Joel did makes absolute sense with everything we know about Joel and the circumstance that happened. Yeah, I don't believe for a second and I've heard people say this and I don't believe them. I don't believe for a second that if Joel would have heard Marlene say that they gave her a choice and, and Ellie said she still wants to go through it. Joel I don't believe done. for a second. Joel, exactly. Joel, Joel's he would have, one absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's no fucking way. And it's understandable, but he's not able to see past his grief. Yeah. So well, not even his grief, it's his love. Because at that point, it, it, yeah, yeah, his 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 love, of course, but also like he can't lose 
another daughter. You can't lose baby girl again. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't believe for a second that he would have let that pass regardless. And so I understand why Marlene was kind of like, we got to get him out of here. I, I understand why she did it. I don't respect that, that she didn't give Ellie the choice. Marlene is so I, I I love Merle. I love Marlene the character. Man, this once again reinforced. Man, Marlene is dumb as fuck. <laughs> but it's like I do think that like if there's anything that the show did for me with Joel's decision, it is reinforce everything that's about to happen. Well, like if one of the big things that this show does that the game doesn't is, and we've we had this argument a bit is that. The show removed a lot of the subtlety of Joel's final decision from the narrative. In the game, it's subtext. When you get to the end, we're all interpreting how we feel and all these things about the very end. In the show, every episode has a line or a brand new scene or, uh, or something that just reinforces the decision that Joel has at the end. And it gets to, I think, I think I'm sure I mentioned this, how I feel like this is a director's cut of Neil trying to solve one of these big annoyances about the first Last of Us is that a lot of the early conversations was about this was that Joel was the bad guy. And this was Neil trying to say, no, this is a bad world with bad people. Joel made the decision. Whether it's good or bad is up to your interpretation. But this is why he did it. Well, I still think that calling Joel the bad guy is, exists in a binary regardless. Like, there are no heroes in this world. You know, there are people who are better than others, for sure. But, like... It's it's a it's a broken world. And so I don't think Joel is a quote unquote bad guy. I just think that he is. A, I, I think Joel has I, done bad things. I think he's done horrible things. He, and he's also done horrible things while under my control. Yeah. Yeah. I think Joel is a broken man. And one of the things that like I keep going back to is, yes, he did a lot of what he did for Ellie and out of love. But let's not forget the 20 years where he was just doing fucked up shit for nobody but himself and his survival. Like, let's not act like he's Papa Bear of the year. He's doing it for Tommy, you know. but he is. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm yeah. just saying, like, Joel is the villain of a lot of other people's story. Yes. So what happens to him, it was never surprising to me, but after the show, I can't listen to somebody like watch what's about to happen and be like, where does this come from? There's no fucking way that you can watch just, what just yeah, happened. We should just tra- we should just, at this point, we should just transition to the next part of the, our conversation. Yeah. yeah. Cause and this is going to be a spoilers for last of us part two conversation right here. Like everything about the way last of us part two opens makes perfect sense for all those characters and what they've done. All that with Joel, what's going to be interesting is how season two of this show is going to reconcile with the theme of Last of Us Part Two. And what I mean is, I have long since thought when this show got greenlit and like it started getting popular, and they're like, oh, we're going to do a season two. We and you had this argument about what season two was going to be. You were of the mindset that it was going to be sort of a mini Last of Us 1.5 and they started stretching things out and give more context. I was more along the lines that I think Last of Us Two is such a fucking big game that you can split that bitch in two add a couple more scenes uh, to rearrange some shit so like it doesn't have to be this most action-heavy sort of a thing that you can do on television and still tell a coherent narrative. They've all but said they're going to do that. And so now mm-hmm. the question is, are they going to be able to sell the Abby character as the part two protagonist, especially when you cannot force an audience 
to play that section, if that makes sense. I will say that, like, when I was of the mindset that they might possibly do like a Last of Us 1.5 for a section of season two, I wasn't sure how exactly they were going to fully go about tackling season one. Post season one and seeing how they kind of actually got through that, give or take, taking some things out. I'm like, oh, no, I, I absolutely see them doing uh, Last of Us 2 straight up. They'll probably do some things different, of course, because that's it, it, what they've done so far. Last of Us 2 is so big. There's going to be a lot of things they're going to have to rejigger, especially when yeah. watching season one. They're not completely interested in doing one to one in terms of the plot beats. They're do- interested in doing one for one with the thematic beats, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if they probably they got a good budget for the first season, but I wouldn't be surprised if they got an even bigger one and a bigger scope for the second season because of how successful the show's been. That so being we'll said, probably... we, will not, we will not see the Seraphites walking in the clouds. That's not going to be in the show. Yeah, of course. As long as we get the Rat King, we'll be good. But I think the CGI that shit. No, there's probably going to be a mixture of uh, practical and CG like they did with uh, the bloater, especially because of how far makeup and, and VFX have come. I wouldn't be surprised. It depends if they on what they're trying to do with the action. If they're trying to make it a straight horror sequence, it's going to be some sort of practical uh, animatronic thing. But if they're actually trying to make it an action sequence, it kind of has to be CG. What do you mean uh, CGI with the bloater? The bloater was a practical suit that was enhanced by visual effects after the fact. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the way they handle Last of Us 2 is it's going to be interesting from a television standpoint because one, like you said, the audience won't have the ability to play the section of Abby's story. So they're really going to have to like the, work the- to make her character work. Like yeah. The big fear is we get a Walking Dead situation where you introduce Negan as a character and then apparently there was a massive uh, drop-off yeah, there in was. Uh, viewership after Negan did the thing he did. And so, like, I think Last of Us, but, I think the first half of season one will sustain itself as the revenge story that it is. But when you get to the second half, will it be able to sustain, will, will the audience uh, be able to sustain itself after that? Here's two things I'll say to that. One... This is even riskier than the Negan thing because Negan didn't kill Rick. <laughs> like, this is essentially Pedro Pascal is one of the biggest actors on the planet. And it's not lost on me that a big chunk of the reason why a lot of people probably came up for this show was because, oh, Daddy Pedro in another daddy role, you know. So the fact that they're going to kill Joel probably very early. Maybe even episode one. No, if, if they're if they're following the same logic, Joe will die at the end of episode one. No, I agree. I'm just I'm because I don't know. I'm just saying maybe until we see it. Artists, I want you to look me in the, in the virtual eyes and trust me as I perfectly predicted season one that they're going to kill Joe episode one of season two. Mm. I feel bad for whoever they choose to be Abby because the person who played Abby in the game is still getting death threats and they didn't kill Pedro Pascal. Yeah. They yeah. killed Troy. It, People I mean, don't like Troy. So <laughs> that 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 whole situation uh, to this day, it still pisses me off. But yeah, so they have that. It's a big risk on their part because Joel or Pedro is going to basically be out of the show for the most part, um, except for like Flash. oh, inevitable Flash. flashback scenes and, and other stuff. But like that's him why he a, signed up for the show because 
he knew that there wasn't going to be a long-term commitment. I could do this one season and a few more episodes and be done. I wasn't going to be locked in for years. Yeah. And so it's going to be interesting to see how people receive that or are able to take that. And in terms of like how they split it, I'm of the mind that season two and three, just because of how big the game is, even with rejiggering certain things in the story, you still have a lot of story there. I feel like season two and three have to be about Last of Us 2. Like, I feel like you can't. Yeah, they've already all but said that. They've all but said that. Okay. Season two and three are just going to be Last of Us 2. I think. Okay. Yeah, I think where they end too. This is the thing I'm not sure of, but I'm trusting my gut and my TV writing abilities, which are non-existent that this is how they're going to end season two. They're going to end it with, we let you live and you threw it away. That's what I was thinking too. I was thinking that that would be the way that they close off season two. And then we jump into season three with uh, the rest of it. But I mean, that'd be a hell of a cliffhanger as well. It's just, it's going it's to be the ultimate cliffhanger because it's like, Oh no, what's going to happen to Ellie? First Joel, then Ellie. Yeah, that's a good one. And then season three opens up and you're just Abby rolling around i'm like wait what yeah that's some good writing i do hope that they just go ahead and green light season three too so that they can like film those back to back because i'm worried about the gap like if they end up filming season two and let season two be that thing and then they have time off and then you know time off is important but i'm saying like if there's like a significant gap between season two and three uh, Here's the other problem. That's going to be what you're talking about, and why I don't think they're going to put that. They're not going to fill it back to back. Last of Us Three doesn't exist right now. Yeah, of course. If Last of Us Three gets made and it debuts, we probably don't see that game till 2028. At the current rate of how they make the show and how they produce seasons, if they do season two and three back to back and release them year after year, then there's like four or five years of no Last of Us. Until three gets made, and then they can adapt that. I mean, what are they planning to start filming and release season two, though? I don't know. I have no idea. They'll probably start filming season two, if this makes sense, at the end of this year. Then it'll probably have another year and a half of production before we get it two years from now. What I will say, though, is because you're right. I do agree with you on that. But they technically don't need Last of Us 3 to straight up be out to do what they're going to do with the story. Because literally, I, Neil is... I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I, Neil is... I know is, the technicality, but I've heard Neil in interviews say, we're not doing what... If, if we're going to tell the story of Last of Us 3, we're going to tell uh, it in its video game form. We're not going to... We're not going to Game of Thrones it. We told, game, okay. we told Craig Mason what we plan to do, and then we're going to make Last of Us 3 before the game comes out. They've all said they're not going to do that. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So... With that, what is this show or what could the show mean for the future of game adaptations? What do you guys think? Avery, you want to? Uh, it means that every other game adaptation that isn't arcane is on notice. Mm. It, it also puts everything on notice and puts everything that came out beforehand on like the worst platform of all time. Like you can't do what you did with Halo. You can't do what you did with the Resident Evil franchise. You can't do what you did with any of those other properties. This Not only was this a near one-for-one adaptation of the game. It was also made in partnership with the people who made the game. It was so critically successful that it is a major success. Like, my big fear now is now that this is such a success that 
it's going to create the, the gold rush of video game adaptations, which we already know exists, but that people aren't going to be smart with the adaptations. And like my big fear right now is the Horizon adaptation that's currently in production with Netflix. We already know how I feel about Netflix as a production company. Horizon is one of my favorite video game franchise stories. It's also a narrative that requires the most budget to make believable. And I, I'm not confident. Is anybody from the production or development team involved with the Netflix shit? As far as, I'm, as far as I'm aware, no. Not the way that Neil is, at least. Yeah. Couple that with the fact that, like, did any of y'all watch Witcher Blood Origin? What? That was the Netflix <laughs> adaptation of the Witcher Origin, which is like the last thing I remember of Netflix Witcher. And it has Oscar winner Michelle Yeoh in it. Oh, jeez. That, so, that show was so bad. But yeah, so like, I'm, I'm so scared. Then you've got things like Twisted Metal also being made on Peacock. And I'm like, oh, like, okay. And then you've got like God of War. And I'm like, I love Corey. But there's a lot that has to go into making God of War just like, God of War is harder to make as good as Last of Us. Like, Last of Us was literally Craig and Neil being like, all right, here's the script for the game. You wrote Chernobyl. I'm going to adapt this bitch. Like, all right, and he did it. I mean, yeah, because God of War, God of War actually might be harder to make work than Horizon, too, because God of War is so not grounded. Like, even at its most grounded, it's still a story about gods beating the shit out of each other. And your main character is caked in the ashes of his dead family. Like, there's a lot and there like, uh, yeah. that couple that with like. We, we've talked about Last of Us having a version to action because they really wanted to dwell in the story. A lot of these games going forward, I don't want the Last of Us treatment where it's just characters talking in this world. I want that world. I want the characters to exist. Like, Kratos has just to make the Dragon Ball Z fights with gods. Yeah. yeah, Kratos has to fight. Kratos has to scrap because he's the god of war. I do agree because I... On one hand, it's good for the future of game adaptations because, like you said, it puts everything on notice. I completely forgot that Arcane is a video game adaptation because I don't give a shit about League. But yeah, Arcane is fantastic. I, Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think Arcane but, is the gold standard for all video game adaptations, point blank. Like, I give Last of Us a little bit of an edge up because it went live action, but I think Arcane hits on a bunch of cylinders that, unfortunately, Last of Us didn't hit entirely. I will say that Arcane, though, is different because it's based off of a game that nobody cares about the story. Like, they basically could build from the ground up and do whatever they wanted. I, I, I will say, as someone who's a League of Legends lore fan, that for the most part, this is an adaptation. They made some liberties. Oh, yeah. I believe that, but I'm saying that Unless you're a League fan, nobody went into Arcane because it's like, oh, snap, I can't wait to see League's story, like, brought into life. Whereas Last of Us, that's literally the name of the game there. But that's not there. there. Arcane and The Last of Us are definitely, like, the gold standard. And they're putting the rest of the gaming industry on notice in terms of, like, if you're going to come, come correct. At the same time, I don't want the... Same thing to happen that happened when Christopher Nolan did the Dark Knight series, which is... Or DC took that tone and ran with it. Exactly. Like, I don't want you to apply the Last of Us template to all of these other shows because the Last of Us template does not work on every other game. They're going to damn sure try to do it, though. Oh, yeah, they will. But what they need to take from it is the level of TLC and the level of commitment and adherence to making this as good as it can be. Because now video games 
one are more popular than they've ever been and two video game adaptations can't just work as cash grabs anymore no one cared whether or not the super mario movie was good back in the 90s they just were like oh people are going to see it as a mario's brother movie it was great what are you talking about i will i will argue that it's a fine movie it's such a fun movie to watch but you get what i'm saying you yeah, get what i'm saying and street fighter or mortal kombat well, no, I will argue that Mortal Kombat's an actually solid adaptation. I'll, I'll argue that Mortal Kombat is super solid. Street Fighter, you just have to be in a certain state of mind to take that movie. I'm talking about the 90s Mortal Kombat, by the way. I know. Okay. We, we That's the one that I like. <laughs> <laughs> we already know how I feel about the recent Mortal Kombat. <laughs> but, okay. So, is there any closing thoughts from you guys before we wrap this up? Uh... I've done a lot of whinging on this podcast about Last of Us, the show. And I just want to say that I loved watching the show. I had a lot of nitpicks about it, but that's because I'm coming at it from, I watch a lot of media and I've had nine weeks because of the way they made this show to sit here and dwell on my thoughts about this narrative and what they did wrong and what they did right. But that being said, I'm super excited it's made. I'm super excited with the success. I'm super excited for the future of of what this means for Naughty Dog as a company. Because like this is Neil is now coming back to Naughty Dog as a writer who's made a successful TV show. And is probably gonna be coming back in due time as a Emmy nominated writer and director too. And he probably got some tips and tricks from Craig Mazin as well. Oh absolutely. They're like besties. <laughs> um so as not really video game adaptations, but video games moving forward, I think a lot of people will take more care crafting their narratives with hopes that it may get it. You don't think so? It'll no, get adapted. I think the same shit, the same way narratives are crafted now, unless people are like, I'm thinking uh, Ken Levine is going to take time crafting his narrative. That's the type mm-hmm. of creator he is. But uh, the guys making Guacamelee, they're going to put a narrative in their game as a framework. But what they're really focusing on is, I right, what is the gameplay loop we can build to sell our game? Why Guacamelee got to catch strays? Um, I just want to throw out there that uh, Hideo Kojima is in shambles. <laughs> Somebody else got their game, <laughs> you know, narrative driven game made first. <laughs> I forgot that Death Stranding is getting an adaptation. To be fair to K- Kojima, the Jordan Dole Roberts Metal Gear movie has been in the in the ether for years, and it's not his fault that Konami even asked, and he got booted from the company. Insert a uh, Suge Knight. <laughs> He's tired of studios getting all up in your games. Come to Sony Studios. (laughs) Uh, And my closing thoughts is just a shout out to um, everybody that was involved to making this the success that it is. And I can't wait to see what this does for uh, Belly Ramsey's career. This is one hell of a coming out party for them. And really, I think they have a very, very bright future just off the back of what they do with Ellie in this season. And if they stick with them, maybe seasons two onward. You should watch The Worst Witch. I'm just saying, that's another thing she did. Closing statement, flagrant foul for me. Are they or are they not going to keep in the Abbey sex scene? They will keep it in. It's, It's HBO. It's HBO and Neil's like, I don't give a fuck. Uh, they're going to keep it. Uh, it's HBO. Oh, God. It's- it was cringe in the game. <laughs> I can't wait to cringe in real life. She about to get them muscle cheeks clapped. She about to get... Tell she- you something, brother! I hope she pegs Owen. That's what I hope. <laughs> That's what I hope. 
I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> All right. But <laughs> that has been um, our review of The Last of Us TV show. Thank you for rocking with us. Nine out of ten. We'll watch again. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for rocking with us. And once again, don't forget to support us by liking the video, subscribing to the channel and hitting that notification bell. Leave us a review if you're listening to this. And if you want in on the Discord chat, then go to pressx number 2 start.com slash Discord. Peace.